Hey, welcome to Dot Grid, the podcast that is at the intersection of digital and analog. My name is Will Fangi. I am one of your hosts, and I am joined by, naturally, your other host, Mr. Andy Welfley. Andy, how's it going? Hey, Will. Good. How are you? Uh, I'm making it. I'm making it. It's uh, it's about 7.30 in the evening here. I am on my second adult beverage of the evening, looking <laughs> forward to putting the first episode of Dot Grid in the, uh, in the electronic can, if you will. How's, uh, how's the West Coast? It's good. It's uh, a little bit earlier here. I uh, I knew that if I got home from work before we recorded, it would probably be a little too late for you. So I just grabbed a beer here at work and found a quiet conference room, and I set up my mic. I love that you grabbed a beer at work. <laughs> As we were talking in the pre-show, if I grabbed a beer at work, I would lose my license. You <laughs> you grab a beer at work, and it's. I think I saw a picture on Instagram this week of you wine-toasting someone while you were still in the <laughs> office. That Yeah, it's... Um, you know, it's definitely not – I work in a, at a – well, I work at Facebook. Um, yeah. It's a big tech company. Um, it is, uh, you know, not obviously like an alcohol-fueled kind of um, environment, but, you know, we do have some kegerators and some some bars around for after hours. So, yeah, I found a um, – what are you drinking? I'm drinking a Scrimshaw, which is brewed in Fort Bragg, California. I am, and this is all your fault, uh, I'm <laughs> drinking an Anchor Steam because after the conversation that you and I had yesterday, I stopped to pick up what I am now finally referring to as podcast supplies at the uh, the wine and spirits store here on the way home. Please don't <laughs> even get me started on how difficult it is to buy good beer somewhere other than a wine and spirits store in the super conservative state of Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> I stopped and I was walking up and down the aisle and I had set myself a price limit and I stumbled upon the Anchor Steamer. remembered talking to you yesterday about how much you've been enjoying it since you've been in San Francisco. And I said, well, it's my first podcast with Andy. He's in San Francisco. He likes it. I, I, <laughs> Let's do I, it. Well, I trust his recommendations when it comes to writing utensils, he can't be completely wrong when we're talking about <laughs> beer. They're closely related, maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, well, up, I'm, uh, I'm up about... Until this, yeah, up until December, I lived in Indiana, and, uh, you know, the the alcohol laws are pretty conservative there. We, you can't even buy booze on Sunday. So, yeah, they, we did not say... They, they opened up boo- We can We can't do booze on Sundays. We can do beer after noon. Oh, okay. Afternoon. <laughs> yeah, afternoon, yeah. because, you know, you got to pick it up on your way home from church. Exactly. Uh, you You're going to go home and watch football? So mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. Go home and uh, watch the Titans be absolutely horrible, and, and then you will need a drink or two after <laughs> your team goes 2-14. and 14. So that's, <laughs> that's pretty much how the, uh, how the beer laws work around here. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what we're doing here, what we're hanging – Yeah. I'm going to cut that out. Let's just pause <laughs> for a second, and I'll figure sure. out where we're going to add that back in. So do you want to talk for a minute or two about what we're doing here besides just hanging out, talking to each other about the, the beers that we're drinking? Yeah, yeah. I um, So I know that both of us, Will, are fans of both, um, you know, analog writing, like pens, pencils, typewriters, mm-hmm. fountain pens, what have you. And we are both fans of tech podcasts. Um, I'm a big listener of Accidental Tech Podcast. Um, all of the Relay FM stuff that uh, Mike Hurley works on, I, I listen to. Um, so, um, I think that you, uh, tweeted me one day and you're like, Hey, what if we had a, um, something that kind of intersected those two interests and that's kind of where this was born. Yeah, no, you, uh, I, I became acquainted with you via the other podcast that you host that is very, very analog called Erasable. You Mm. and, uh, Johnny Gamber and Tim Wassum do a spectacular podcast on your own. I'm pretty Mm. sure I've said that to you a couple of times. Yeah. Um, thank you. 
But I, I became acquainted with you that way, and we had a conversation via Twitter a couple different times, and we traded pencils once or twice because, you know, there are great people out there. This, this is a great <laughs> – the great community here, oh, yeah. uh, the, the pen and pencil and, and uh, notebook community. But uh, when I decided that I wanted to put together – this uh, this network of podcasts. Uh, I had been I've been bitten by the podcast bug, and I figure if I'm going to spend good money on a microphone and spend some time in my evenings investing in this hobby, that I was going to you know absolutely talk to people that I like about things that I love. And you were the first guy that popped into my head because I know <laughs> you spend a lot of time talking about uh, pencils and other analog tools. But judging by some of the things I'd seen on Twitter and some of the conversations we had, I, I knew that there's a well it. Not just personally, but professionally, it it's a good idea for you to be interested in tech. Yeah, yeah, and I I mean I've been a you know a Mac user for almost my entire life, and I, so I've you know after Mac kind of got out of the you know non Steve Jobs kind of like crisis phase uh, and started flourishing, I start, suddenly started getting really interested in you know the ecosystem and um the design of you know after they kind of went to those bondi blue iMacs i had a bondi blue iMac it was pretty amazing mm, yes. <laughs> i uh, so so i've always yeah i've always been interested in tech um really i think broadly i can say i've always been interested in tools of like content creation that sounds too too jargony um but you know pencils paper typewriters i think a very logical next step would then be you know computers and phones and things like that no, I've looked at it the same way. I was always the kid that was far more excited to go school supply shopping than I was to actually go back to school. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was all about school supplies for me and pencils and notebooks. And then as time progressed and the Internet and computers got to be more prevalent in the classroom and in academia and things like that, I, I remember um, I was listening to um, Dawn Patrol, which is a podcast, I'd say, on the Technical Difficulties Network, but I guess since they only put out two, I don't know if it's really a network. Hmm. They were talking uh, the other day about the times that they remembered getting their Gmail invitation. <laughs> yep. And I, I remember having that in college, and then I remember stumbling across uh, different things on the internet and different other, as you said, content creation tools or like I've thought of them always for a long time as uh, productivity tools, things like Evernote and yeah, yeah. and uh, the Microsoft equivalent whose name – oh, OneNote, I guess is what they're calling uh, it now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like how we both say that with disparaging. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Microsoft, no. yeah. That's a thing. <laughs> um, so I've always kind of been interested in those as they've popped up, but for a long time it's either been with the people that I've been spending time with or the people that I've – uh, been acquainted with, my wife included. It's just technology and or content creation, productivity tools, whatever you want to call them. It's kind of been a thing that I've been interested in. And mm -hmm. until the, kind of like the rise of Twitter and the, I don't know, are we going to call it the podcast renaissance, the rebirth of podcasts or whatever, <laughs> did I know that there was a community out there that was not just interested in one of these things, but both of these things as well. And yeah. um, you so, and I, I think, are good are good examples. I wanted to try to make a spot for people that don't feel like they fit in just one category or the other to kind of yeah have a place to reflect. Perfect. Yeah. So if you're um you know if you're a new listener, if you're trying to you know pitch this to your friend, I think that you can you know visualize a Venn diagram and. You know, people who listen to podcasts like Erasable and The Pen Addict, um, they may be on one circle. And people who listen to uh, tech podcasts like Mac Power Users or ATP or 
um, even analog uh, in another circle. Um, this is really um, this is at the intersection of that of those in the field that the Venn diagrams. So, although rather than kind of looking at it as uh, a much smaller sampler sample of their audiences, I think that we can look at it as being able to draw from both. So yeah, we're trying it, to bring the circles closer yeah, together. If you're a computer guy and you are you know pen curious, or if you are a pen and paper guy and uh, are computer curious, um, I think that you can find a little bit of both in here. Yeah, that's that's kind of the goal is to I don't want to say these are communities that are typically not that typically don't have a lot of crossover because the more I think about it and the more I listen to podcasts and talk to people on Twitter and things like that, I can see that there is a great deal of crossover, but it's not discussed very often. Yeah. So I, it's it's kind of something that I, I think that we would uh, benefit from bringing to the forefront. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want to um, talk about um, – should we kind of give some backgrounds of ourselves or should we launch right into the um, the main topic? Well, I'll go first because I think that I'm far less interesting than you are. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm not the one who just got bit by the podcasting bug and then started four podcasts. Well, you know, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. And had it been up to me, it probably would have been five or six. But it seems like oh, a man. couple other people I talked to, one of your other co-hosts on Erasable included, it just seems like everybody was kind of busy – uh, here at the time, no, I um, I live in Tennessee conveniently, as uh, ha- we've discussed in the past. I live in Pencil City, Tennessee, uh, here in Shelbyville, which is very appropriate. It is. It's it's where <laughs> Musgrave is still located, and a couple of other um, pencil producing plants, which is really fun to say without a pop screen. Um, <laughs> so I, I live here in Shelbyville. I grew up here in Southern Middle Tennessee. I've been all over. My wife and I have lived in New York City. We spent a couple years in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I came back here when I got into graduate school, and I currently uh, have a master's in education, and I teach uh, advanced English language arts to middle school students uh, here outside of Nashville. And in, You, sir, are a saint. Well, uh, I have patience and a drinking problem, and both <laughs> of those seem to contribute pretty well to the the field that I'm in. Uh, thank you for saying so. No, I just, <laughs> I find that I spend a lot of my time outside of the classroom investing my efforts into things that I really enjoy. And yeah. it just so happens that podcasting and tech are two of those things. I also spend a lot of time helping my wife with her side business uh, and a lot of time running around trying to make sure that our three dogs are not causing too much of a mess. But uh, I love what I do. That being said, I would not be upset if I became, as I referred to myself on the Stuff and Things podcast earlier this week, our drunken uh, American Mike Hurley and became <laughs> kind of uh, the the czar of, of a podcast network or what have you. Obviously, that's not why I got into this. That would be unrealistic. But uh, I, I love this medium. I love what we're doing. I'm really glad that you've taken some time out of your obviously busy schedule to uh, to come and join me. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself? I can sure. talk about you all day because I think I think <laughs> wonderful things about you, but I think that you might want to do that instead. <laughs> well, thank you. Maybe I should let you just know. Um, I am um... – I don't even know what to say about myself. I am. I, I grew up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. It's a semi kind of middle-sized city in northeast Indiana. Um, went to school there. Um, went to school for journalism. And I got out of school and tried to get a job at a newspaper and 
Uh, in 2006, nobody was hiring. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> so I got a job at a little nonprofit um, in town, and I did marketing and office management, things like that. And I started using pencils uh, fairly seriously because I um, I would make a lot of like make a lot of notes, make a lot of lists, and erase something, and then you know write it back down. And I, I started thinking about um, you know the quality of the pencil that I was using. Um, and I started kind of exploring online, and I found this site called Pencil Things. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that site later, but they um, later in our our main topic. Um, but they had a uh, a collection of really, really good quality pencils. Um, and I was like, oh, this is cheap. I'll buy this. So I bought it, had it sent to my house. Um, I used them and just noticed a huge difference. So I wrote a little review on my personal blog at the time. This was maybe 2007, 2008. Um, 2007, I think. Um, so I, I did that and I emailed the proprietor of Pencil Things and I told him, hey, I love these pencils. Check out my review. And he was like, oh, this is great. We need a product reviewer. Would you like to <laughs> write reviews of this stuff for free pencils? I was like, uh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll do free <laughs> yeah. pencils all day. So, so I started blogging at Pencil Things. Um, and we uh, built a little community. Um, of course, Johnny Gamber, who is my co-host on Erasable and uh, maybe the first pencil blogger. He's been doing it since 2005, which is just insane. Um, hardly people, people were hardly blogging in 2005, let alone about pencils. Um, so anyhow, he, um, he, I started this blog. I, we found a community, um, and pencil things went bye-bye. They, um, they decided they didn't want to do blogging. They didn't want to do, which now we of course call inbound marketing, but, uh, at the time there's not a word for that. Um, so they they kind of shut their doors to that. I think they still run a little business, but it's not like what it used to be. Um, so I decided to just start my own, uh, and I started Woodclinched, uh, which Woodclinched is the formerly trademarked um, word for sandwiching two halves of a um, a wood plank over a graphite core, which makes the pencil. So um, old pencils, old Eberhard Faber pencils used to have the word Woodclinched written on the side of it. Um, so anyhow, I did that, um, did that for a long time and just kind of like built up a little audience and just had fun. Mostly it was just having fun. And then, uh, Tim and Johnny and I came, kind of came together and started Erasable. So, uh, that is a podcast, to, uh, about wooden pencils. And of course we talk about paper as well and other analog stuff, uh, but it mostly it's about pencils. Um, so I do that and, uh, I just moved to the Bay area in December and it kind of upturned everything. I got a job offer that I couldn't refuse. So my wife and my two cats and I came out here. My wife teaches um, women's studies in English at a university in Indiana. She's teaching online right now. But, um, yeah, that's that's me in a nutshell, which may be a really big nutshell because I kind of rambled on a bit. Yeah, we should let you out of that nutshell. That's not a <laughs> comfortable place for an Indian yeah. Um well, two things stick out at me because I, I did uh, – obviously, we know each other, but I did learn a couple things about you there. The first thing I learned is, man, these journalism degrees we have are really working out well for us. <laughs> it, it's funny. The job that I am now is um, I – basically, I you know write and edit and plan for content for website, web things. Um, it's called a content strategist, and it's a perfect uh, flourishing job market for people who have journalism degrees. So – uh, so if, what you're telling me is that I now know a guy that knows some guys that if you, might be able to, yeah. If any of you listeners are are out there and you uh, you are a uh, frustrated journalist, look for jobs in content strategy because it is perfect and very interesting for uh, people who like to write for an audience. 
if that makes sense. There are two master's degrees in in, uh, in my house. One is a master's degree in journalism from Northwestern, and that's why my wife's a stylist. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> I have my master's education. My bachelor's is in PR. Uh-huh. Uh, Which is like time. journalism, the other side. Well, well yeah, and that's it's yeah. from a school of journalism, and you know, obviously it's the journalism with a spin on it, but uh, yeah. I did public relations for a very small, what they like to call boutique firm in New York City for about six months and decided that I just, I absolutely hated it. It's one of those things. It's like socialism. It looks great on paper. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you get into the practice of it and it's not nearly what you thought it was going to be. So that's the first thing that sticks out is um, our, neither of our journalism degrees are really what they thought they were going to be. And the second thing is, as I look around the room as you're talking, I have all of this and this is becoming my new tag word, all this uh, like ephemera uh, or this ephemeral, these ephemeral things around me, these, these notebooks and these cigar boxes full of old pencils and this pens. Dude, I have stuff everywhere and it's all your fault. Like it's <laughs> you and Johnny and Tim and, and Brad Dowdy and, and Mike Hurley from the pen addict, which is how yeah. I stumbled across you guys in the first place. All of these non digital, wonderful things that I have around me uh, are all your fault. So thank you. And I hate you all at the same time. <laughs> You know, we just we just a, a couple of weeks ago kind of launched our sponsorship program, and we've we've had one sponsor so far. And I, I for the life of me, I don't. And this isn't just me saying this. I don't understand why we don't have more sponsorships because we have we hold a lot of buying power. I don't know oh, how many goodness. how many screenshots of people saying I just spent X amount of money at pencils dot com thanks to you. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, and and I was yeah. the same way. That was, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more again when we get to the main topic, but that was, I remember the first time I hit buy on a pencils.com order. And luckily I do get my, my, uh, my small discount because teacher I'm a discount. teacher. Yeah. yeah. They have a great teacher discount program, but I remember hitting that button and <laughs> I literally waited at the school building because we were moving at the time. I waited at the school building for an extra 45 minutes for the mailman to come. <laughs> like school was over. Kids were looking at me like, Mr. Fangy, why is you still here? And I'm like, I'm waiting on the mailman. You should um, – what you should do is come out to visit and we'll record a live episode and then we'll drive down to Stockton and meet the Pencils.com people in person. Oh, that would be crazy fun. <laughs> let's, do, let's just keep going. We'll just, keep, we'll just go to San Jose and meet the JetPens people too. Oh, heck yeah. We'll just yeah. make it a road trip. Yeah. There's, uh, we'll um, pick up some Anchor Steam and it's a date in a some... weird not – <laughs> in a bromance sort of way. Yeah, it's cool. It's fine. We'll go to uh, San Francisco and check out some of those like wacky Japanese stationery stores. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. so jealous. <laughs> I am so jealous because you... Hey, you, you live in the pencil capital. You live by Musgrave, which is pretty amazing. I, I live by Musgrave, but you work for one of, if not the largest technology company in the world in the general vicinity of other very large technology companies, <laughs> but you still have... All of the – be honest. Could you go out and touch an incense cedar tree right now if you wanted to? You probably could, couldn't you? I I have to be completely honest and say that I have no – like if a incense cedar tree was in front of me, I would have no idea what it was. You'd be like, that's, never, that's a great tree that you got yeah, there. Yeah. What's interesting is um, – and Johnny talked a little bit about this on episode 21 of uh, Erasable – is that uh, after um, pencil companies sort of exhausted red cedar trees – um, they found sort of a lesser cedar um, and basically gave it the name of incense cedar. So people would be like, oh, it smells good just like those red cedar trees. So in- incense cedar is kind of a kind of a made-up term. Where I come from, we call that a misnomer. Yeah, misnomer. Yeah, one on purpose. A misno- yeah, an yes, on purpose. A, a, a marketing, marketing term. <laughs> which, which you would be familiar with. See, you and I, we could just sell trees. Let's do it. Let's do that. We'll just sell trees. <laughs> Facebook, we're out of here. Yeah, we, peace well, out. Like how we're at Facebook now. Uh, <laughs> Facebook, county school system, we're out of here. Um, peace out. 
we have spent a great deal of time talking about analog tools, which is wonderful because we're going to uh, spend, I, w- I don't know, let's say 50% of the podcast. That's at the intersection of. Well, we're going to spend some time talking about that. Do you want to uh, kind of transition both into our main topic and to maybe a digital something or other that we're going to talk about in our main topic? Sure. So um, this was your idea, Will, which is great. Um, kind of here for our first introductory episode, um, we kind of put together a series of firsts for us. Um, you know, And it may not be like a true first, like first productivity tool, first favorite writing utensil. It may not be the actual first one we've used, but the first time we've actually intentionally thought about these things, right? Uh, which is pretty pretty easy to tell, at least for me. Like I definitely have a lot of these moments that just stand on my head. So um, do you want to, do you want to tell me, Will, kind of what your, your first productivity tool that you ever kind of intentionally thought about using was? Oh my God. This is probably the nerdiest thing I've ever admitted to. And that's saying something because I, I you've, you've seen pictures. This is called the Nerd I, Uprising podcast. I know it's, this is the Nerd Uprising network. I have big glasses and I, I mean, I own it. That's, that's what it's all about. Um, uh-huh. I carried Wait, a day t- t- runner. Tell Go me ahead. real quick. Let's talk about glasses because I feel like this is important for the for Nerd Uprising. What what do your glasses look like? Um, my glasses are I don't know. They're tortoise along the top, and they're not the they're not officially those half frames. They've got metal along the bottom, but yeah. they're definitely a more pronounced. Um, I don't know if Warby Parker's still doing podcast sponsorships, but Warby Parker, <laughs> I will endorse you a hundred percent of the time. I have had nothing but a, and they're not which, paying for this. Which model? Which model are you wearing? The Rowans. The Rowans. I have the uh, the Jaffies on right now. So. Okay, we'll see. It's a yeah. natural fit. Yeah. Like like Johnny <laughs> and the Wild Turkey. You and I and Warby Parker were just a, a natural fit. So if anybody knows anybody at Warby Parker, you just. Go ahead and look that up. I applied for a job there once in 2011, but I never heard from anybody. Well, the letter's in the mail. Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> the, okay. The, got a little lost. Um, no, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm sorry. This is the, 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 my first productivity tool that I thought about, this is the nerdiest thing I've ever admitted to, I think. Um, you remember back in the day when you had, um, well, I guess they still make them. Uh, Levenger does a really good job with them now. The uh, the planners that you could carry in a notebook where every year you'd buy new inserts Oh yeah, uh, with the calendars that have you know the monthly overviews at the beginning and then a page for each day. I carried a day runner in middle school. Yes, <laughs> because I for all of your appointments. Well, I, uh, I, I have a very active imagination and a very easily distractible brain. My students call my teaching style very squirrel-like. Uh-huh. Um, like a, if something bright and shiny goes past, it's easy just to get me go down a rabbit hole, but. I carried a day runner because it was one of those things where before they started just providing the students with paper agendas, I almost had to be told to write down everything that I had to do for homework every day because uh-huh. if I didn't, I would go home and forget. <laughs> I, would, it, I was the kid who had to check his written planner before he went to his locker at the end of the day to make sure I had all my books. My dad had to, my dad or my mom had to check it when I got home to make sure I was doing all the right amount of homework. And <laughs> yeah, it was more functional than fashionable, but at the same time, like I didn't see anything wrong with it. I felt cool about it. I felt more grown up. Um, obviously, I probably got shoved into a locker or two because <laughs> of it. But you know, I I own that. Yeah. So it was uh, it was definitely a day runner for me. I still uh, I bought a Hobonichi this year. Oh, speaking wow. of daily planners, yeah, I picked it That's up. Fancy. Um, do you know Anna at uh, Yeah Well, well Up on a Desk? desk. Yeah, I she do. put up on Facebook that she had one for uh, she had one for sale because I think she's going with a different system this year and. 
Uh, that was another one of those things. I, I, I've been a mailbox watcher this season, and I was super excited when that showed up in the mail. I've been writing in it every night. That's my, my end-of-the-day plan. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about fountain pens here in a minute, but I've got a fountain pen today. I'm going to look forward to writing my, my daily pages in there this evening. So, yeah, I've, uh, I've been a daily planner guy since I was probably about 12. Yeah. I, um, I, have, I had a daily planner up until maybe 2009 um, in which I sort of had to switch to a digital calendar system. And for me, it just wasn't practical to keep, to keep both. So I'm, I'm definitely, definitely on a digital cal- planner now, but I, I do miss the days, which I'll talk about a little bit later of going out and finding my planner for the year. I'm definitely doing both. My wife got me one of the uh, Star, War- Star Wars Moleskin. Um, collaboration weekly academic planners for Christmas. So it's got the days of the week on one side and then just plain moleskin paper on the other side. And and you and I could go back and forth and round and round about moleskin and not moleskin paper and yada, yada, (laughs) and what it's good for, what it's not good for. I I love it. I have a story about those planners. I actually – do you remember Merlin Mann's old website, 43 Folders? Of course I do. I mean we have this podcast about (laughs) digital analog tools. Of course I remember 43 Folders. I actually – one time in 2008 maybe I was looking to – I was using the gallery leather planners, and I I really liked them, but I was ready for something different. So I asked the internet on 43 Folders about – I was looking for the perfect – planner and i think if you still type in like perfect weekly planner this might come up um i i posted in 43 folders and it got enough responses it made it to the front page wow of 43 folders and i think merlin himself might have even weighed it one at one point oh but my gosh. the the answer was the it was i think it's the moleskin um uh, planner plus notebook i think is what they call it and uh, at least at, at that time it was that soft kind of the soft moleskin mm-hmm. gel um and yeah that was that was a Ridiculously great planner. Um, let's go. Let's go ahead and set him on one of the the dream guest lists. Oh yeah. We'll oh, I'm sure put, he's he's not doing anything. No, he's no, he not at all. Merlin, yeah. he's just sitting around wasting time. I'm sure yeah. he's not. Super, I'll just go. I'll just go stalk him at his comic book store, and we can get him get him on the, that, the podcast. That's completely normal. No one will think that's weird oh, yeah. at all. Don't be creepy, Andy. Don't be creepy. No. <laughs> don't don't permit me to be creepy either. But yeah, right. so I that, I got one of those for Christmas. That's become like my work planner. I write out my agenda in that on a regular basis because and this has been talked about ad nauseum in other podcasts. It's still considerably more acceptable for me to bring something paper-based into a meeting mm-hmm. than it is for me to pull out um, either my iPhone or my Nexus, because yes, I'm the only person in the world without an iPad. Uh, one <laughs> I don't have an electro- iPad. Well, good for you. <laughs> that didn't come with the Facebook package. They weren't like, wait, you don't have an iPad yet? Um, uh, surprisingly, because- a, a, there's a, a very few iPads around here, mostly mostly laptops. But oh uh, well, yeah, yeah. I imagine that because there's still a lot of um, yeah graph either graphics heavy or programming heavy stuff that, um, despite what Federico will tell you, is yeah. uh, difficult to do on an iPad. But yeah. It's still, yeah, it's far more acceptable for me to bring a paper something into a meeting than it is for me to bring an electronic something into a meeting. So I like to have that as a fallback. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, we should probably get back on topic. (laughs) It's it's not, is anything really off topic as long as it says something about an iPhone or a notebook? (laughs) So my first productivity tool um, was probably kind of along the same lines as as yours only. Um, Mine was, mine was a trapper keeper. I'll just go right there. I, I had... Yes. I had one of the ones from the 90s that was uh, had like weird little – they were like abstract motifs on them, but they were kind of like outer space-ish looking. 
Yeah, um, they were '90s designs that weren't Lisa Frank. Yeah, I had it's like the boy version of Lisa Frank. I had right. I I am proud to say I had the same one that Napoleon Dynamite used. That's and nerd cred right I, there. I don't understand how they found when they filmed Napoleon Dynamite. You know, years later, I don't know how they found one that was still in good enough shape, or if they just recreated one. Um, but yeah, I had I had that one, um, and of course, you know, they are fairly cheap, so they just fell apart after every school year. Um, but I definitely kind of begged my mother for the Trapper Keeper, like the brand name Trapper Keeper. Yeah, the official one. You couldn't get yeah. like the the Walmart brand or the Kmart yeah. brand. Like it had to be Trapper Keeper. Yeah. And and later on, I, I switched um, probably in middle school, late middle school, I switched to like a like a five star one of those one of those ones that are a little bit more. I don't know if professional looking is the right word, but like. You know, they're a cloth rather than, like, fancy designs. Streamlined. Like yeah. So I, I switched to those eventually. So it was either it was either a Trapper Keeper as my first productivity tool or maybe my first Mac, which was a Mac LC2. Uh, we got that when I was in fifth grade. It had a 80-megabyte hard drive and yes. two or no, four megabytes of RAM. And I don't even know how many gigahertz. It didn't even have gigahertz. Maybe, like... 80 megahertz, maybe? I can't remember. It's straight sure. hertz. They were oh, yeah. Hertz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because um, it hurts to use it. You can yeah, bring exactly. that one up on the wall. Let's pretend I didn't say <laughs> So, you know, being able to write, you know, assignments and things, being able to type that out was I – was, I, was, I was definitely one of the kids who had to go get permission to turn in something that was typed and printed rather than handwritten. Oh, on the old dot matrix too. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, no, I think I had a style writer, which was an inkjet, but it was one of the first like super crappy inkjets. Can I say? Can I say shitty? Oh yeah, dude, please. Okay. Yeah, no, please. I think I can yeah. say it was. It was. It was pretty shitty, but it, yeah, you it run those four letter words all the way up. It doesn't even. It doesn't. I was listening back to our re, to our recording of stuff and things from Saturday, and I was like, I really should probably just go ahead and put the not suitable for work tag on this strictly for the number of four letter words I use. And I don't know what Rob looked like where he was, and I certainly don't want to offend uh, future Andy's delicate British sensibilities. But I just did, eh, did we did we define that in that did we define that in that podcast with um future I Andy? referred a couple different times to how Andy does live in the future a couple times I said that he lived in the future and at least once I said that he lived in the year twenty forty five uh huh um, <laughs> I have every once in a while taken to calling you past past Andy pa- I, you're just past like ghost of ghost of Christmas present oh ghost I got of you. Christmas future you're That's just fine. you're just past and past and future because you know. Half the hosts on this network are named Andy. Yeah, that's true. So, so did did you have a did you have a nickname in school that you people called you? Um, until I got to my senior year of high school, I was only ever my first name Will or my last name Fangy, and I was I was Fangy a lot because I was an ROTC for a few years when I was in high school, and you kind of yeah. go by your last name. There wasn't um, like a fan guy contingent. No, well, not not that I spent time with. Those were not people that I was friends with. I got gotcha. you. Uh, th- those that decided to mock me. But uh, and this is <laughs> this is uh, a great story, uh, or at least I think it is. Um, I had a friend uh, whose birthday it was, and we were on our way from the town that I grew up in into Nashville to go celebrate his birthday because uh, he was turning eighteen, and his car broke down. So we called. Uh, a friend of a friend to come pick us up because we were waiting for his car to get towed and everything else. And when this friend of a friend showed up, we were introduced uh, as 
Will and Will. And my <laughs> friend said, well, how am I supposed to tell those guys apart? And I said, well, this guy is the one whose car's broken down. And then the other guy looked at me and said, oh, we're just going to call him Foot Locker. Because <laughs> I had refereed a faculty student basketball game earlier in the day uh-huh. and still had on the referee shirt without, I guess, recognizing it. So um, for about three years, my friends called me Foot Locker, <laughs> um, which is not the worst thing to go by, but still, that's it's a long story to have to tell people. No, I would much rather um, – I make the joke now that I only have two names the majority of the year, and it's either Mr. Fangy or Honey. <laughs> uh, and then so, when the summer rolls around, I finally get to be Will again. So I, I thought that – you when you joined the erasable group and I on Facebook and I first kind of like was aware of of you, uh, I thought you came up with like a fake name. I thought it was like fan guy, like you were a fan of the show or a fan of pencils or something. No, we so, used to uh, we used to paint up for football games when I was in high school, and that was what we would just put on my on my back was fan and then guy underneath it because it was. So people know, thought you were a fan guy. Yeah, double meaning. It's like a fanboy, but you know, but grown mature. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I was I was uh, waffles because. People don't know how to pronounce Wellfully. And you because did a really good job creative. this morning. <laughs> people are not creative. So every I mean. time I would switch schools or get in, go into a new place, people like would come up with that nickname kind of organically and just think they were the most clever person on earth. And, of course, my dad and my sister and my grandfather and everybody was a Wellfully. It was a, was Waffles. So. Yeah, you, yeah, you grew up used to it. I was, I was a fun guy for a while. Fun guy? That, that, that was a big <laughs> thing. Fan, fan, fan guy and fun guy for a while. But <laughs> see the, and, and see, this is all intertopic related because it's all nerd stuff. Yeah, that's true. I, I was made fun of because of my name, and I don't know how long you've been wearing glasses, but I've been wearing glasses. It just <laughs> took me it took me a while to to own up to who I was, and I'm much more comfortable now. You can call me fan guy all you want to. You can make fun of what I look like or how I act. I'm much more comfortable with who I am. Absolutely. Um, you talk about your first Mac, and yeah. I see here in the show notes that you also have a, a Mac or an Apple connection to your first digital sort of tool. What, oh, yeah. what was that? So my first kind of note-taking program that was not, you know, that was kind of in, that I specifically took notes on, I guess I should say. Um, I had, do you remember an Apple Newton E-Mate? Very, very vaguely. Oh, man, it was so great. Um, they, Apple, so I'm a, I'm a big Newton fan. Um, there's not a lot of people in the world who, who are. But to this day, I, I swear their handwriting recognition is superior to most things out there now. I think it's you and Stephen Hackett. I think I th- me and, only Newton fans left. Me, there's me and Stephen Hackett, and there's somebody on Twitter. I can't remember his name. His name his He works at Flickr, and his name is Splorp, S-P-L-O-R-P, on Twitter. And we he and I have, have commiserated about Newtons for a while. Um, actually, on Medium, a couple years ago, I wrote a, a kind of a fan letter to the Apple Newton e-mate. But anyhow, it was um, basically take the power of a message pad, which was like Newton's kind of answer to the Palm Pilot. Take a message pad and put it into the body of a laptop. And it was – so it had the – it was kind of the first netbook when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, and this was like 1998, 1999, 2000, somewhere around there. Um, and they were very quickly discontinued. They were intended for school use. Uh, there was like a teacher kind of like head of the you know, teacher network master um, – Emate and all the students' emates can beam in stuff to theirs through an IRDA port, which was pretty cool. Um, but I never had one in a school. I kind of bought mine aftermarket um, on eBay, actually. And um, it it was great. It had super long battery power, like longer than my MacBook Air. Um, it's because it only had like a black and white screen. Um, and it was actually... People think that, you know, the, the Bondi Blue iMac was the first design trend of... Um, 
like the kind of that translucent plastic. I think that the E-Mate was. It, it kind of precedes the iMac by a couple of years, and it was a translucent green, and it was kind of in like a shell shape that really, I think, later on led to those clamshell iBooks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I used the word processing app on that. You know, I, I went to the Philippines um, for 10 days. Um, I kind of kept a travel journal on that. Uh, I used it in um, in class sometimes. I used it when I was taking notes uh, kind of in my early, early journalism kind of education career, I would interview people and just take notes on that. So um, I definitely had apps before that, um, and by the word app wasn't even a thing then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I had like pen and paper, and I had things on my computer I took notes with. But that was my first portable electronic device, um, and I, yeah, it was awesome for it. I actually just just got rid of my e-mate in my move to California. It didn't oh, work. It didn't I'm work sorry. anymore. Yeah, I I could barely uh, justify my large pencil collection, uh, but I definitely could not justify my laptop that does not do anything. <laughs> did, did the wife give you an ultimatum? It was like you can take the e-mate or you can take the pencils, and you're it like, was well, kind of like that. And pencils were more relevant because I sort of almost make a little money on pencils, right? <laughs> so right. the e-mate right was just dead cusp. weight. Yeah, the e-mate was just sort of dead weight, so. That had oh, to go. Yeah. My wife and I moved from spacious one bedroom apartments apiece to a very, very small one and a half bedroom apartment in New York. And yeah. we showed up in a twenty two foot U Haul and immediately upon seeing the apartment, I believe either burst into tears or laughter, which I came oh, first. Yeah. Uh so and I uh I don't Some, like to refer to myself experience. as a hoarder, but I'm pretty sure I had more stuff than I needed. <laughs> so she and I both uh, – we became very good friends with the local Goodwill and the donation areas oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. very, very quickly. I have a big box going out there soon. Yeah. Yeah. So that was – how about you? What was your first digital note-taking program? The first one that I can make a conscious effort about remembering was – and I don't know how early Evernote popped up, but I remember when I discovered it back in late 2008 thinking that it was yeah. the coolest thing I had ever seen in my oh, life. Evernote was amazing. It still that is. Was, yeah, no, it very much is. Um OCR back when it was first getting started was crazy. You could take a picture of something yeah. like a whiteboard or something with my sloppy all caps handwriting and yeah. Evernote knows what it is and can index it. You'd sign me up. Yeah. Well, so, the, and, and the fact that it like, you know, it, back then it took so long to sort of like parse and index that. But at the time it was like magic, like, like, oh, in only five minutes, you know, you have this is this handwritten note is fully searchable. Yeah. And yeah. I love that that's that's been one of my bigger things now um future andy and i have we make a joke about it we've been going back and forth between google drive and dropbox probably just about every other day for the past three or four weeks trying to figure out how we're going to go and the fact that google drive can search within documents and pdfs has kind of been something that's left me a little more attached to them especially for uh, what I call work-based documents or school-based documents because often yeah. I will remember one or two words within them yeah. and be like, oh, I remember this one phrase that's on this one handout um, <laughs> that I probably haven't touched in two years. Yeah. So I don't have any students that have seen it. I should pull that one back out again. Um, so, yeah, no, Evernote was, a, Evernote was a big thing for me. It still is. I, yeah. uh, I keep anything that do you have, needs... Do you, do you have the Evernote Moleskin? I don't. We you, we are the Evernote Moleskin. I mean, <laughs> we're we're the, we're the Evernote Moleskin of podcasts because we have the digital and we have the uh, and we and we have the analog. No, I it was one of those things I kind of looked at it for a while and thought maybe just maybe, but I don't have a problem taking pictures of my field notes or my other notebooks. I typically 
my, my big find this year was, and this is supposed to be a student consumable, so hopefully no one from the county is listening. Um, I bought a spiral-bound notebook this year that is one of the, the bigger, almost five-subject notebooks, but instead of being standard lined paper, it's quadruled, so it's graph paper. It's a yeah. big spiral-bound graph paper notebook, yeah. and I love to write on graph paper. I would, yeah. I would use graph paper or dot grid 100% of the time if I get away with it, and that really helps out when I'm trying to line things up for either ScanBot, which... Can we just go ahead and say now we should just do half of an episode on either iOS or Android scanning applications at one point? Because hmm. I feel sure. like that's a natural segue. Um, I'll definitely learn from that because I don't think I have one right now. Oh, my gosh. I, I either I started with Scanner Pro and moved to ScanBot. I wish you had told me I had a free version of ScanBot Pro to give away over the holidays. That's a spectacular, spectacular app if you scan things in. But Is that made by uh, TapBots or is that? Uh, no, it's not. It's, oh, okay. oh, they, oh, I forget. It's the same people that make... um. No, I'm not even going to say it because I'm going to get it wrong. I want to say the same people that make Documents 5. And, if uh, only I had some sort of a device that could... Right. It's almost as <laughs> though the power it. and knowledge of the internet is so far from us right at this moment. Um, no, I, I, I use ScanBots yeah. for scanning things in, but <laughs> the graph paper makes it a lot easier for me to line things up like that. Yeah. Um, Evernote has been great for me to just scan things in and have it saved uh, I am a big fan. I take pictures of my whiteboards after mm-hmm. I make notes on them for my students and then keep them and file those into a school notebook. That way, if I have a student that's out sick or if I, even just I remember that I took some notes on something on the board I don't yeah. know, two, three, four months ago, I can pull up those whiteboard notes. I They've gone a little feature-heavy, little weird here the past couple of years where – They've almost been adding more things than they've been refining, but yeah. I am a I'm still a huge fan and a huge proponent of Evernote. That was the first thing I ever used, and I think that my use of Evernote probably lasted a little longer than than the Newton. Sorry. Oh no! It's, so so when I uh, so when I just moved out here into temporary housing, uh, I I got I got to the apartment and I opened my windows and I looked out and I looked out across kind of this parking lot and I saw a big Evernote logo. So I, my apartment was across the block from Evernote in, Red, no. Red, in Redwood City. It's really cool. That is yeah. really neat. Yeah. You should walk in and be like, hi, I know Brett Kelly. And they'll be like, yeah, so do we. And you'll be like, no, I just made that up. <laughs> Give me stickers. Yeah, but I'm in yeah. the door. Where's the elephant? I hear you guys have an elephant. <laughs> There's a really good This Is How I Work uh, feature on Lifehacker with the CEO of, of Moleskin. Oh, excuse yeah. me, of, of, of Evernote. Of Evernote. Yeah, yeah. no, I've, I've read that. I Lifehacker was, really was kind of how I got into, I guess, the beginning of this community to begin with. That's cool. Yeah, I somehow got attached to Gawker when I was <laughs> not not officially attached to Gawker, but I was I was doing Lifehacker and Gizmodo and Deadspin and io9 and all those when I was quote unquote working in public relations in yeah. New York. Yeah. Coincidentally, also when I started my Twitter, I had a little bit of free time. <laughs> so, um, so this could, oh man, this is going to turn into a big thing. Uh, tell me about your first favorite writing utensil. Oh, I guess this could turn into a big thing. Um, <laughs> I've always been kind of particular about the kind of pencils that I've used. Um, up until I met you, uh, unofficially, because I've never <laughs> officially set eyes on you, but up until I became acquainted with you and, and Johnny and Tim and the deep, dark rabbit hole that is pencils I can only buy in Japan, um, <laughs> I was always partial to Ticonderogas because they are 
head and shoulders above your Office Depot, Office Max Staples brand pencil, yeah. which with my teacher discount, I wish I was making this up. I can buy for less than a quarter a dozen. <laughs> I can get them wow. by the gross for like a dollar twenty-five. Wow! So if you know anybody that needs really, really cheap pencils, which I don't know that you would hang out with that crowd, but I can, yeah, I, I get you them can, super cheap. We can use them for fire starters or something. We can. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> I have. Um, we can make ceiling art by throwing the pencils into the. Like the press board ceilings. Yeah, well, and I, <laughs> you would you would be surprised how difficult that is because it's not like I don't have a whole bunch of pencils and I don't try to entertain the kids by trying. <laughs> I've almost lost an eye more than once, <laughs> and I don't really need them for fire starters because I have. Um, I don't know if it's one of you guys that refers to it as ghetto potpourri, but I have a couple different. Oh, um, who is that? Is that? I don't know. I don't have think you heard that's that before, us. Too? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that have, sounds like a Johnny a, thing to me. I have a few different ashtrays of the the pencil shavings that are that are ghetto potpourriish <laughs> around here. So I, I don't need them for the fire starters. But other than the Ticonderogas I've been kind of attached to for a while, um, I put first writing utensil on first favorite writing utensil on here, and I had to think about it for a second. But immediately upon remembering the pilot doctor grip was the mm. first thing I was like, yes, that that was the pen that I was so happy when I found it and had it for like two or three months. I think it was probably one of the first pens that I held on to even once the refill ran out. Yeah, wrote which so when, smooth. Well, when you're in middle school and high school, you don't think about refills. It's just like, hey, yeah. I'm a kid that has a pen, and this is we awesome, and then pen. the refill ran out. And, yeah. Oh, but yeah, because it was you know big and chunky and plastic, and it wasn't your standard everyday big. I that was the first thing that popped into my head was was the pilot doctor grip. That was that was a big one. I I am personally attached to the first item you have written down here as your favorite writing utensil. Because <laughs> you said it, and I thought to myself, I haven't thought about this in probably a dozen years. So yeah, the, the first one I kind of thought, and that this is, see, this was hard because I've liked writing utensils as, as long as I can remember. So it's like, what, it, what, what could it be? But I, I think, I think the first pencil I ever really thought about was a Yikes pencil. And if you are around our age, so probably between twenty, twenty-five and thirty-five, let's be generous yeah. and say that, um, we could probably even narrow it down to like twenty-eight to thirty-three. Probably yeah, even. because my you, my wife is a year older than you are. Um, yeah, which let's not tell anyone how old you are because then I'm going to get in trouble for math. <laughs> um, but she and I still talk about um, yikes and Lisa Frank pencils and yeah, I don't know neon rainbow unicorns and My Little Ponies and things like that that fall right along the same lines as a yikes pencil. So so I uh, I actually um, I wrote a I think actually let me look this up yikes pencils if you Google yikes pencils. Um, the Do I have to use the exclamation point? Is that part of uh, it? You don't have to. Um, but the, the first thing that comes up as a mental floss article, this, which is incorrect. You can't buy X pencils on eBay. Or you can on eBay. Okay, never mind. Second one is a YouTube Yikes commercial. Uh, and the third one is a thing I wrote about Yikes pencils. Um, so I sort of like was thinking, I was sitting around one day and I was like, you know what? I remember Yikes. Whatever, whatever happened to those? So I did a little research and apparently I hit on the goldmine of people around our age who are just sort of remembering Yikes pencils because that is by far the biggest attractor of traffic to my blog. Um, well, they were made and, by... And you write good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but Yikes is... it's. It's got its own, and here's another oh, yeah. one of our here's another one of our nerd uprising tropes. It's one of our niche sort of things that comes along with liking pencils and being our age. Yeah, yeah. There's there's not a lot of people who meet both of those qualifications, but right. It, it was if, in case you don't know, if you're younger or older or just 
didn't have been just lived in a, under, in a cave, yeah, under a non-neon rock for the last <laughs> right. ten years. It's a it was a, a pencil that was made by Barrel um, uh, Barrel Empire, um, and they it was a a pencil that was marketed toward kids, and it had kind of an extruded wood. It was not like a solid piece of wood. It was like sawdust that had been compressed and glued or whatever. And extruded um, in various wacky colors, uh, in various wacky shapes. It was not maybe the best quality pencil that you've ever used. Uh, but as a kid, like quality of a pencil doesn't matter as much as how cool it is. And it was definitely cool. It was the first triangular pencil I've ever kind of remembered using. And I love triangular pencils. Well, I like um, that you. I like that you say that as, as a as a kid that, and I don't. I, I almost said student because I don't. I don't. I don't call them kids. I call them students. But yeah, I, that a quality of a pencil um, doesn't matter as much because I do run into that pretty often with the kids that I have because I do teach middle school students. But and I will share this with you. Um, I, I told you this yesterday, but. Um, I have a student who I have spread the love of analog tools to, and um, he asked for uh, Blackwing 602s in his stocking for Christmas, and he <laughs> came up to me the first day we came back to school and said, Mr. Fengi, look what I got for Christmas, and I, I just I, – I leaned back yes. and thought to myself, spreading it on to the younger generations. <laughs> Here we go. Well, well and even like – it sounds like that kid really is into the quality of pencils, but even if he wasn't, like the Blackwing is still super cool because it looks so cool. Yeah, it's and, it's got its own individual yeah. sort of look. It's um I feel like Johnny has referred to um referred to them as, as the hipster pencil and the kind of yeah. ones that you carry for a while and then you're like, Oh wait, all <laughs> of the kids that are trying to be cool are carrying this, so you kinda hide it. But if you're the only kid in middle school that not only has a pencil but has what most people consider to be the top of the line, one of the best pencils that's currently being made, even if no one else recognizes that, every yeah. time you put pencil to paper you think to yourself I have an awesome pencil. No one <laughs> else may recognize this, but I have an awesome but pencil. But somebody, yeah. But so I guess the second thing that I would pick if I were to pick something, um, it's a, are you familiar with the Uniball Vision pencils? Or uh, pen, pen, rollerball roll Yeah, the rollerballs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to be able to find them in Everno- Evergreen Green, which is a uh, like a dark kind of richer green than the current ones. Okay. Um, and I read this uh, spy novel, for like Cold War spy novel, when I was in, I think, high school. And in that, the um, sort of the commandant, the guy who was in charge of the um, – not the ambassador. Well, maybe it was the ambassador. It took place at like a like – a, what do you call it? Where does an ambassador – I'm losing my words today. An, 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 an embassy? Yes, at an embassy. Thank you. I was um, an emissary. That's not the same <laughs> thing. Darn English teacher vocabulary. <laughs> I think it was the British embassy in Germany or something like that. And the kind of person in charge uh, wrote in green ink, and therefore everybody knew who, at, just at a glance what his memos were. And that for some reason, for some reason that stuck out, stuck out to me. And I was like, that's awesome. I should write in green ink. Um and I did. It was kind of like a – I don't want to say it was a trademark, but it was something like I just bought green ink pens, pens and I wrote in green and I could always tell at a glance what it was that I wrote in. In fact, right now I'm writing in my field notes with a green le pen. Um, oh, there's so many different places we could go with this. Yeah. We could go to the field notes or we could go oh, to yeah. the – um, so, so anyhow, yeah, it was, so I bought these things just by literally by the dozen, probably, probably more. Um, they no longer make the evergreen. Um, there's a link. I don't know if we're doing show notes, but if oh, we we're are, definitely doing show, okay. we, we can't make a podcast. Now. You and I both, yeah. um, are 
show note fanatics. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, too, get upset if someone mentions something in a podcast and then says, oh, you might be able to find this on the internet. No, do the work for me. <laughs> lazy it. Google, lazy Twitter <laughs> for me, damn it. Find me the link. You're the one who brought it up. You've already looked at it. Find it for me. So, no, there – if you find the link, Andy, I will make sure that it shows up in the okay. show notes with this episode, which, by the way, I'm going to do the Mike Hurley here, which, by the way, can be found at nerduprising.co slash dot grid slash one, because this is the penultimate first episode of the dot grid podcast. So I hope it's not, upri- I hope hope it's not, not the penultimate, penultimate episode. Well, it's the ultimate. <laughs> Shush. That, that should be what we – that's the tagline, the pen ultimate podcast. The, the ultimate pen podcast, <laughs> yeah. not at all. Um, so, no, so, yeah, it's nerduprising.co slash dot grid slash one, and the link to the – I don't know, the link that you're about to mention will be there. Cool. It's a – I wrote a thing in, in a friend's uh, pen blog about, about green ink and why I like to write in it, so check that out. Yeah. So yeah, there's that. We can probably just leave it there because there's. I'm sure writing utensils will be will be a whole other thing because eventually we have to talk about uh, the pencil by fifty three. Right. Well, we you you jump in and you say you wrote in. Well, you don't jump in. You were you were invited. I want you to stay. <laughs> um, okay. But you say that you wrote in green ink because that was kind of a trademark for you, and I think that uh, provides a good segue to uh, the purchase that showed up at my home today. Um, that is, I'm hoping, going to become sort of a trademark for me. Uh, I had my first fountain pen delivered today. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am super excited about it. I had a birthday last week, and I made two um, I, I made two purchases that are seem to be very popular for some reason in uh, the communities that you and I run in. And the first was an AeroPress, which, by the way, has turned out very well. Very good. Uh, uh, yeah, I ran on the caffeine from one cup of coffee for about seven hours today. It's amazing it was, how less coffee you drink when you're using a, an AeroPress or a French press. Oh, it was yeah, it was, it, but it was so good. It's uh, yeah. I've, my wife's a convert too. I've just got to I've got to get her set up with it. And don't tell anyone. Don't tell Sean Blanc. Nobody's listening to yeah. these. Yeah, no one's listening to this. Um, I did it with pre-ground coffee this morning mm-hmm. because it's the easiest thing for me to do first thing in the morning. Yeah, and and it wasn't bad. Yeah, no. Like I, Rob, Rob sent us uh, a pound of French market um, French roast for in with our Christmas stuff, and um, it was really good, even with the pre-ground coffee. So uh, the first purchase was an AeroPress, which that's coffee. That's probably an entirely different episode of. I'm sure there's some sort of analog digital crossover with coffee. I think, I think we could we could go there sometime. Yeah, yeah. That seems like something that we could definitely do. Um, the other big purchase was my first fountain pen, and I had p- kind of been oscillating back and forth between a couple. I looked at um, the was it, is it no the the pilot that has the smiley face on the nib. I looked at that one back in, mm. in January for a while. That's a that was recommended as a good starter pen. Yeah, uh, I talked to Brad Dowdy, the pen addict, which is um, a great podcast and a great blog if you're into the analog kind of stuff. Uh, I had talked to him back in January about what to do, and then I was kind of back and forth between the Pilot Metropolitan and a Lamy Safari, and then Rob went and bought himself a Lamy Safari, and so I couldn't be the second guy with one. <laughs> that wasn't going to work. Um, so today I actually uh-huh. had delivered uh, a Kaveco Ice Sport in blue with a fine nib, and we were talking about 
inks and trademarks, I didn't even put the blue cartridge that it came with in it. I immediately went with the ruby red Kaveco ink cartridge because I'm an English teacher. And if I can't sign things in red ink, what am I doing with my What life? do you have left in your life if you don't have your red ink? I'm saying, like, <laughs> at this point, I've been having my kids do a lot of their papers digitally. I might have them start handwriting their papers again just, <laughs> just so, so I can you... go through these cartridges with a red fountain pen because – Wrong, um, wrong, wrong. <laughs> I, I, I love the digital world. It makes finding plagiarism and checking things and working on collaborative edits so much easier. But yeah. I'm still very much old school in I will mark through your shit with a red fountain <laughs> pen. Like, I am not scared. I, they tell us, oh, don't use the red pen as often. It's very traumatizing. Good. <laughs> be, frightened, is... be frightened of your misplaced uh, Oxford commas. I'm coming for you. That's our intro right there, I think. <laughs> so so, so what do you what do you think about it so far? Um it's a considerably lighter and considerably smaller than I w- than I thought it was going to be. I purposefully yeah. got the the Kaveco Sport because I am going to carry it in my pocket every day. It is an EDC pen, which EDC is another great future topic for us. Well, um, some of those EDC people scare me. Do you see when like people post like their gun and stuff and I I live in Tennessee, and yeah. I'm not familiar with people that carry guns. I'm the only surviving person in my immediate family that doesn't have a carry permit, <laughs> and that's not by, that's not necessarily by design. It's because right. my wife doesn't want them in the in the house. But yeah, no, I'm not the. This is my 45 and my two extra clips. But I'm talking like this is the pen I carry. This is like I carry Whoa. a handkerchief, and this is yeah, I carry a handkerchief in my pocket every day. That was my pocket square at my wedding, and a lot of people don't recognize that's yeah. what it is. But I know that, and it's important to me. Um, but that's why I got the the Vego Sporks, I'm going to carry it in my pocket every day. You ask what I think about it. I love it. Uh, it has made me want to learn how to write in cursive again because it flows so smoothly on the paper. I've tried it with the moleskin that I have here. I've tried it. I've got these pitch black um, field notes that I got when Field Notes was doing the purchase something, get a free pack of pitch black back uh, right after uh, Thanksgiving. I've tried it in the Dot Grid ap- Apprentice notebooks that I have, which uh, I tell myself there's going to be a review on the blog on Friday, and I feel like the more times I say it, the more it makes it real. <laughs> all I have to do is write It'll the eventually last write three itself. quarters of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I've tried it in all of them, and I will be perfectly honest with you. I'm upset with myself that I haven't been writing with a fountain pen for longer. <laughs> I, uh, are, you, are you right or left-handed? I'm right-handed. Are you, uh, are you a southpaw? I am. Um, so what's interesting about fountain pens for a left-handed person is that um, you know, instead of sort of dragging the nib. First of all, do you have a fine or a medium or a broad tip? I have a fine. I have a fine nib, and that's only T- because the tell extra me about fine your tip, nib. Will. <laughs> I have the fine <laughs> nib, and the only reason I have the fine is because the extra fine was another five dollars, and yeah. it would have taken it an extra, another couple of days to ship. Uh, for some I reason, I got you. That makes sense. Um, I, pr- I, I like I, the fine nibs too, but I am I am of the uh, the Brad Dowdy school of thought. Of the the skinnier it is, the better. In addition, from Jet Pens, uh, in addition to the, the ink and the uh, the fountain pen that I got, I also bought a Pilot Juice, and that's in a point five. Yeah, a Pilot Juice pen in orange because why not orange? Of course, the Brad Dowdy color. Yeah, so, so I have a I, I'm I'm a fan of the either the needle tip or, or the micro tip or what have you. Yeah. So you know when you write with fountain pen on your right hand, you know you sort of like drag it along, and, and gravity kind of like lays down the ink on the paper as you drag it. Mm-hmm. When you're left-handed, um, instead of being able to kind of drag it along, you have to push it along. And if you have a cheap tip or if you have a – well, if you have a cheap tip, you run the risk um, of – if you're not writing very, very gently, um, you have the risk of kind of bending it in. Um, and then if you have a really fine tip, you run the risk of kind of like digging into your paper. 
right? Um, because that side of it is very, very sharp, obviously. <laughs> and uh, so it's uh, I I don't have a lot of fountain pens, and I've found some that are really great, but most fountain pens kind of skip for me. Oh, that's and, unfortunate. And, and it also, then, if it's also a really wet fountain pen, then I just drag my hand through it, and that's gross. But yeah, I, I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of a lot of ink on the page. That was one of the reasons why it took me so long to kind of jump into the fountain pen, the fountain pen world market, deep, yeah. dark rabbit hole, whatever you want to call it. Um, Pencils are was, just so much simpler. Like I love fountain pens, and I have a bunch of fountain pens, and I probably liked fountain pens kind of as a thing before I liked pencils. But man, they're so much more complicated than pencils. <laughs> yeah, well, um, but we get into it, and I, and I know you guys have talked about it on the podcast before. It's so much easier to kickstart a pen or yeah. machine a pen and decide this is the design I'm going to go with. This is something I want to do. Um, and I'm right there with you guys, and I, I wish that we could make it uh, another American-made pencil reality, but pens are just – I mean, even fountain pens. You look at what Care Customs did with the ink. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was that. I feel like that went from – idea to prototype to real actual thing very quickly and i have heard nothing but wonderful things about them yeah you couldn't do that with a pencil no it'd be so hard there's a actually a really funny um funnier die skit um about because you know that thing about like you know pencils are a symbol of globalization nobody can actually make a pencil so this guy on this funnier die skit i think it's funnier die i have to check it out um tried to go and make a pencil and just sort of like devolved into absurdity but it was really funny yeah, um, you're trying yeah. to follow it around. I yeah. and I God love the pencil industry. It apparently has kept Shelbyville alive for years because <laughs> it's not just Musgrave, but it's the the other companies that have been here, and not just the companies that make the pencils, but the companies that manufacture the rubber for the erasers and the yeah. metal for the ferrule and the paint for the pencils themselves. And yeah, um, so God love the pencil industry. It's obviously kept this town around, but it, it is so much. I don't want to say simple because I don't want to intimate that making a pen is a very simple process, but it it seems to be much easier to be able to say, I'm going to make a fountain pen or something that takes a pilot G2 refill and throw that junk up on Kickstarter and it's, it's done in like a month and a half. Well, and you can make a really nice fountain pen on, you know, an AutoCAD, but you cannot with pencils. You have to like mix things and do chemistry and do all sorts of crazy stuff like that. Ah, No one likes chemistry. Who does chemistry anymore? (laughs) Stupid chemistry. So Um, so my my first fountain, I'm sorry. No, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say this is my first fountain pen here when I'm 30. I'm I'm thinking that yours (laughs) was a little bit earlier in life. Um, I, my first fountain pen was actually my grandmother's and it was hers for a long time until 2007, but I, I used it a lot. But, um, it was a uh, an old blue. Um, have you listened to the Pen Attic episode where he talks about the do- the Estabrook dollar pens? I know it's there. It, that's one of those that originally I went back. I was like, I'm going to start episode one. Listen to all these. <laughs> oh and God, there's so many episodes of that. I know they're they're. Yeah. I feel like they're in the 130s. I yeah. don't remember exactly, but they're they're up there uh, pretty high. So I do yeah. the the whole skim through and read the show notes quickly. Yeah. And if it looks like the synopsis is something I like, I'll throw it in there. Um. Don't get me started on how far I am from podcast in zero. <laughs> I couldn't so, even do that now. <laughs> so in November for National Fountain Pen Day, um, I was going to re- try to write a history of um, the Estabrook dollar pen, but I was actually on an airplane to uh, California that day, so I was I did not get that done. Uh, um, there is a really um, an old kind of from the 30s and 40s. Uh, Estabrook was a fountain pen company, and they had a pen called a dollar pen, which a dollar because it cost a dollar, which was a lot back then. Um, but it's just a really exceptionally good quality pen, so much so that there's still a bunch around. 
Um, they're kind of like the 57 Chevy Bel Airs of fountain pens. Like there's I'm, still I'm not fight you on that. That's, yeah. that's a, that's a good parallel to draw. Yeah. I would be happy to be compared to that. So, so there's, there's a bunch still around. There's a bunch that still work and they are the pens that have the little internal bladder and the little lever on the side that you use to sort of suck the ink up from the well into the pen. Oh my God. My mother-in-law were, and I were just talking about these not an hour and a half ago Yeah, because I showed her this fountain pen. She was like, Oh, we used the ones with cartridges when I was in high school and we had these other ones that you would put in and yeah. there was this thing you would flip down and I, I didn't even draw the parallels until right now. That is, that's yeah. weird. And, and what's crazy is this, you know, 70 some year old pen is in still really good shape and the bladder still sucks in ink and expels it. It's amazing. So I have that pen. I think that's my favorite pen. Uh, it's probably not the one that works the best that I have, but I I just really like that because my grandmother kind of taught me. My grandmother taught me how to use a typewriter. She taught me how to, you know, mess around with a fountain pen. She had a lot of different colors of like inks that we would sometimes play with in there. So so the the pen reminds me of my grandmother, which is part of why I like it a lot. But But also it's 70 years old and it still performs really well. Right. No, that's part of my attachment to typewriters, too, is my uh, my grandmother wrote in shorthand or in really sloppy uh, script for a very long time, but she was infamous for her typewritten letters. Yeah. My mother got a typewritten letter every week. Both, uh, you know, All three of her kids got a typewritten letter every week, and I, to the point that the only time I would ever see my grandmother's handwriting is in, like, birthday cards, and then it's <laughs> happy birthday and my name. Yeah. So um, – I, that's one of the reasons why typewriters kind of have that special spot in my heart because I remember waking up in my grandmother's house a couple – because we would go and stay there for two weeks every summer. I would wake up to the sound of the typewriter more than once a week because she would kind of take it out first thing in the morning, and, and that was when she would take her time to write her letters. So, yeah, we, we talk about analog tools and, and being attached to the past, and that's yeah. that's definitely something that, that resonates with me is is more typewriters than fountain pens. But, yeah, it was it seems like not even so much our parents, but our, our parents' parents had a considerably – higher level of appreciation for the analog tools and quality analog tools. Yeah. So we've talked about pens. We've talked about pencils. What about paper? What was your kind of the first good quality paper product that you have used? I, Andy, I have, I have a paper problem. <laughs> um, and I didn't. Uh, I will be honest with you. I had I kind of had carried a, a moleskin. Is that a volant? Is that what they call them? The kind of the, the pocket size ones? Oh, the... Um... Is that what they call them? Yeah. I don't know. It's called a... Oh, the Kahir. Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce it. I just seen it written. I had carried one of those off and on. I used to carry, um, before I realized it was a thing, I used to carry one of those in my back pocket and um, a ballpoint pen that I had lifted off of, or lifted, the UPS guy left it behind. (laughs) But if you think about it, um, and it always struck me as novel... The amount of engineering that went into a UPS ballpoint pen, yeah, because you're talking about guys that before went digital carried a pen for everything. Yeah, um, it, it's shorter. Um, it had the cap kind of juxtaposed on the end, but you had to turn it. It was like a it was a click pen, so the knock wasn't really a knock. It was one of a twist, so it would pop out one end. Um, I carried uh, one of those and uh, a moleskin in my back pocket for a while, uh, kind of off and on. But I remember either via, I don't know, apartment therapy or design sponge or something that my wife likes to read. She came across uh, the video of Aaron Draplin uh, from uh, Draplin Design Company and, and the guy who's 
kind of infamous for his design work with, with field notes, um, came across his ins- the video where he talks about his inspiration and shows his massive collection of old farmer notebooks and old field notes. Oh, I love um, that video. That, oh, it's so good that he just collects at um, like flea markets and estate sales and things like that. And the video, my wife and I have, have been, especially more here recently, more into the uh, and here comes the word ephemeral again. The the ephemeral or the nostalgic value of things, like the house I live in was built in 1902. I've been in the crawl space underneath, and it's literally supported by stacks of rocks and split logs. <laughs> um, like we appreciate things that are older and have high quality to them. And the video that he showed kind of led me to believe that there are still people out there that are making things like that. And field notes kind of struck that chord with me. So I made it a point to find somewhere here in the Nashville area that sold them. And I bought uh, a pack of the, uh, the pitch black because it's got the dot grid in it, which I'm a fan of. And I don't know. I just like carrying the darker color things in my pocket and slowly, but surely from that pitch black back to the, okay, here's back to the pitch black. And then I met all of you guys and, and we'll talk, I guess, a little bit about this here in a moment, but I, I realized one day back in December that I had a paper problem because I had things delivered from Bandit Apple, um, Baron Fig, which makes some great notebooks, and two different field notes deliveries, one from uh, the field notes people and one from uh, our friend Gary at Notegeist all on the same day. Like, our, our mailbox was just shoved full of nothing but notebooks. <laughs> and it was like Christmas. So my wife and I had to yeah. find a whole different place for me to organize them all here at my house. I can see them all over here to my left, and they make me insanely happy. So <laughs> I'm a fan of high-quality paper. Rob got me, um, and I see this is um, what you have written down on yours as well, but my, uh, Rob got me uh, a Rhodia Elasta book. Oh, yeah. um, like a Rhodia pad that's a bigger than normal. I think it's probably, I don't know, like A7 or whatever gets, I don't know those European sizes. We'll have to ask other Andy <laughs> how that works. But I have a, a big one that I, I draft blog posts on. But yeah, I have a real quality paper problem now. You uh, are, are you a fan of the Rhodia stuff? I am. I actually, um, I, I'm assuming, and I we have not discussed this, but I'm going to just assume that you are a fan of Elton Brown. Uh, I like how we can just figure these things out about each other. Yes, uh, that is my go-to. Jeez. If I have 20 minutes to kill, I will yeah. watch a step. That is my go-to. Will I pay for this television subscription service? Is do you have good eats? <laughs> so I, the first first time I ever kind of knew, thought about that was I was watching an episode of that. I don't remember which episode. I think I actually looked it up once, uh, but I can't remember what it is right now. But I was watching an episode. And he was carrying around this little uh, list size uh, orange notebook. And I was like, that notebook is orange. What is that? And so I was going to IU in Bloomington, and I stopped by the office supply store there, um, the, like the student bookstore, um, and they had those orange notebooks. And I was like, oh, what is this? And so I picked one up, and it was ungodly expensive compared to the paper that I'm, I was used to buying. Right. Um, and I used it, and it was the most kind of silky, just like good white color and that purple the purple grid on it i think that was the first time i used a, a grid a notepad too this is maybe back in 2004 maybe and we're guys um, who were writing for our education because i like you was taking yeah. either notes in class or interview notes when i was going out to see people for my journalism classes and paper and writing utensils were a big deal yeah so uh yeah i so i <laughs> bought like three different sizes of that paid way more than I intended to, but I took it home, started using it. And I was like, this is the best. So rodeo is kind of my first foray into good quality paper. 
Um, I've actually come – I've kind of landed on somewhere right in between. Do you have, a, do you have staples down there? Yeah, we do still somehow. There, there's, a, there's a really good um, – it's called Ampad, A-M-P-A-D. It's a brand. Um, they have this uh, paper called the Retro Gold Fiber Paper, and it kind of looks like an old-fashioned like press board notebook, like something you would find in like a private eye office or like an old newspaper office from the 40s. Um, it has this creamy color paper. Uh, the big notebooks, the front is line-ruled, and the back of each page is gridded. And it has a really pretty copper spiral on the top, which I like the top-bound notebooks because of my aforementioned left-handedness. Um, so I that's kind of the one that I buy and use every day if I'm not using, like, um, you know, field notes or something else like that. So so uh, the Ampad Retro Gold Fiber is really nice. But, yeah, that Rhodia Notepad is kind of my first paper love. And all of those Clairefontaine products are just wonderful. They are. And yeah. – um, for those of you who are listening and are interested in trying out some of these papers, it would uh, it would be a mistake for me not to tell you that Rodia Drive gives away free samples on Monday every week to the first 50 people that go in and sign up for the Google Doc. I actually um, didn't know that until I think you maybe were talking about that. I definitely have put up a couple of blog posts that because we're friends yeah. you have definitely read. Um I uh, I I did it for the first four or five weeks, and I was having a hard enough time keeping up with reviewing them. Yeah. But the first time that I obviously put pencil, because of course pencil, first time I put pencil to a, a Rhodia piece of paper, I thought to myself, and that's I'd probably the title of the blog post, oh, so this is what good paper is. <laughs> because I'm so used to writing on cheap filler notebook paper or – you know, whatever I can scrape up in the composition notebook that's laying around that I got the Rhodia delivered because free samples are the best way to get involved in this stuff. Free beats oh, paid yeah. for stuff uh, just about a hundred times out of a hundred. And it's, yeah, Rhodia's, Rhodia's got some good, some stuff, some good stuff. So if, uh, if Does the people Stephanie? at Execlair want to send us nice things, oh yeah, oh yeah, they're Does more Ste- than welcome to. Does Stephanie still run the Rhodia drive blog? Um, did, did you get a contact I, from her? I I have a business card for uh, a lovely person sitting somewhere in the mess that I call a desk over here. I <laughs> will save you the white noise you'd pick up from the mic of me digging for it. But that's fine. Uh, that's fine. Yeah, no, <laughs> I I am a huge fan of of the Rodia stuff, and the people on the blog have been nothing nothing but nice. So if those of you that are listening, if you're interested in trying out um, some of the Rodia paper that we've alluded to, uh, I know that this week they're giving away. Um, I think a sheet of just their standard Rhodia classic in plain lined dot grid and uh, gridded. And they, you just sign up for it and tell them what your address is. They send it right to your house. It's typically there by the Tuesday of the next week. And uh, I've still got some samples here that I'm looking forward to trying this fountain pen on here in a little while. Uh, so, um, you know, we talked a lot about paper. So, and we did talk a little bit about field notes. So tell me, Will, what your, your first field notes purchase was. Um, so I talked about it earlier after I saw that, uh, that Aaron Draplin inspiration video, I made a point to go somewhere here in Nashville and there are not very many places around here, uh, that sell field notes. Uh, but there is, uh, there are a couple of stores that sort of model themselves in, in the hipster way of being like general store kind of places. Yeah. Uh, and there's, there's one in kind of a, a hipper slash more expensive part of Nashville, that I that my wife and I went into because they carry some some nice um, high quality or handmade goods and they also happen to carry these and I picked up a pack of pitch black and that was kind of like my first introduction to them and I had kind of 
tiptoed around, you know, maybe I'll pick these up, maybe I'll pick that up. Um, and then they do, uh, you know, they do the seasonal releases, was it, every three months? Yeah. They put out something new, and the ones here for Christmas uh, were the Ambition Edition, and between the the gilding on the sides with the gold and the fact that they had the not-too-restraining weekly planner, because, I mean, you know, we talked about it. Obviously, I've been a weekly planner guy for many, many years. Uh, I saw that the weekly planner was there. I saw that the gilded edges were done. Um, I went a little off script, and I'm going to go ahead and name drop here again. I didn't go through field notes. I did go through Gary at Notegeist because I felt like he and I had Gary made... sponsor our podcast. Oh, G- Gary and I have talked briefly <laughs> about that. And it's so weird. Gary lives in uh, Finley, Ohio, yeah. which is less than 30 minutes from a very small town in Ohio where my mom was born and is about 10 minutes from the even smaller town where she grew up. I didn't even know anybody knew where Finley was. <laughs> There's uh, a Finley is the home of really big retail distribution centers. It is. I, I worked at a Best Buy, and they had a distribution center in Finley, and I worked at um, a department store in uh, Fort Wayne that was had a distribution center in Finley. So that's how I I definitely remember driving past them on the way out of town because um, we would leave after Christmas and Bob Evans was the stop. I don't know if if you guys had Bob Evans up there. Oh, yeah, we did. But, yeah, Bob Evans was the stop, so we would drive past those DCs on the way out. But um, Gary and I had kind of talked through the the Erasable group and through the Field Nuts group on Facebook and things like that, and I I noted that he had – um, opened up his website at Notegeist, and I actually won something in the, in one of their giveaways. So I obviously oh, nice. was indebted to. Oh yeah, I got a pack of Pitch Black because apparently I'm just attracting them, and a pack of the Red Blooded, which I'd never had before, and is going to look great with this red fountain pen ink. If I ever decide I'm going to open them, which at this point I'm not one of those collector kind of people, but I feel very collectorish on that. Yeah. Just because it's red blooded and I don't I haven't seen them anywhere else. But anyway, I won that with it with a giveaway and so I ended up getting um in a pack of ambition from him and a couple of those field notes pencils and if you like the uh pitch black, you should um it is kind of a collectory edition. It's but, gonna uh, be hard to find a night sky, Andy. I know where you're going with it. Okay, you did know where I was going with it. I did. It's gonna be hard for me to find a night sky. I really want to, but um and Mike and Brad talked about it on the episode of Pen Addict a couple weeks ago when they, when Brad ranked all of his Field Notes editions. That's where Mike's got Night Skies at number one. Wow. And Brad's got it ranked, ranked up there pretty high, too. Yeah, I, I feel like it would be really hard to find, but it's that and Raven's Winger on my list. Well, I feel I, like I, they're both going to be difficult, but they're 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 on my list. Um, you, I, I don't know about Ravenswing, but I may be able to help you out with some night sky. Oh well, don't don't between that and the pencil sharpener we were talking about, dude, you're getting, you're getting <laughs> my hopes up here. It's going to be like a second Christmas. Um, <laughs> you're, you're a field notes guy. You you made field notes or something 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 boing boing. I field didn't notes. make field notes. I I so my first edition. This is a good segue. Um, I actually I I can't remember. How I came across it, I think I was looking at Kudal Partners because of their jewel boxing. So are you familiar with what Kudal is? Um, very, you know who very he vaguely. is, but yeah. So it's like this kind of like design agency in Chicago that, you know, they, they did client work. It was very similar to what, what I did on a much – except a, at, in Chicago instead of in Indiana. And they just sort of re- – they were like, you know what? Like we're having a lot of fun and the part that really gets in the way of that fun is clients. And they started making their own products. They made something called um, – what was it called? 
It was basically for making your own uh, jewel box cases, um, like making the designs and stuff for when CDs and DVDs were still a thing. Right. Uh, remember when those were still a thing? Yeah. That, is that, <laughs> that's, that's, that was the segue, but that was the original segue between analog and digital. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So, so they um, – so they made those. They they made, had some moderate success with that, and then they teamed up with Aaron Draplin. Aaron basically made these cool little pocket notebooks that he put in Futura font called Field Notes for like friends and family and stuff. And Jim Kudal got one of these and was like, "Aaron Draplin, uh, we know how you sh- you could make some money off this. Let's talk." So um, there are uh, pre Kudal Field Notes that. Um, Traplin has produced that are worth lots of money, but I have never even seen one. I, I I only know sort of like how it would be differentiated. I've never actually seen one. They're mythical. Yeah, they're, 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 they're the, the unicorns of field notes. They are. They are. So uh, the first one, like the one that you kind of is is iconic with the brown craft paper. Um, I ran across those uh, in the first couple of months they were out, and I was like, "This is fun." So I ordered a pack. Uh, and then I uh, promptly uh, ran one through the washing machine, and uh, as all and, good and, pocket and notebooks do. Yeah. <laughs> so so what's funny is you know it didn't it fell apart obviously but it like the pages still held together enough where I could still see my writing, and so I was re- blogging I think at Pencil Things at the time and I posted a review of it and. Um, uh, what's his name? Mark Frauenfelder, who is a Boing Boing co-editor and the editor of Make Magazine. Uh, he's a big um, pencil and paper fan. Um, have, have you heard their podcast? Um, uh, who, Frauenfelder's podcast? got a really good one out there. I'll have to put a link in the show notes. Um, it's the, it's just the, it's the Cool Tools podcast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. And they have somebody on every week or so, and they talk yep. about what some of their cool tools uh, that's yeah. gonna, that would that was going to turn out to be a really expensive podcast. <laughs> yeah, so he and I have communicated a couple times, especially when I worked at pencils dot com, um, just about stuff, uh, the Blackwing things like that, which is another show. Um, so anyhow, I he he read pencil things. He commented a few times, which is amazing, and was kind of my first big brush with like internet celebrity, which is super cool. Um, so anyhow, they they. Uh, they picked up the they, my review got boinged as it were. That was a super exciting day. We were like watching the the hits on the site. It was so cool. Um, so anyhow, uh, it got picked up by Boing Boing and uh, Jim Kudal, um, who obviously he was benefiting from the traffic on his blog, sent me a free pack of field notes to just sort of like, oh, I'm sorry yours fell apart. Here, have some of these. So that, that was my first sort of brush with field notes. Um, and what's crazy is you know I had been aware of field notes and fans of field notes uh all throughout the various like color editions right and for the first probably two years i was like this is dumb i just want the brown ones why would anybody want like an orange one or a blue one <laughs> and i'm just i just kick myself because if i i mean i don't know if any packs of like the butcher blue or the butcher orange still exist in sealed three like a sealed three pack but if i if they do they're worth multi-hundreds of dollars like oh, 30, yeah. 30 to 50 times more than somebody paid for them no, and that's and I totally did not, I did not buy into any of these until the America the Beautiful edition, which and I hear so, is a beautiful edition. It is um, a beautiful edition. I've heard good things about the editions that have the thicker paper on them. Yeah, uh, like I've the Shelter Woods. Yeah, Shelter have, Woods and America the Beautiful. Used a shelter Wood yet? Have not. Um, I did see that it got Office Supply Geeks. Um, 
one of their uh, Office Supply of the Year awards oh, wow. was the Shelterwood. Huh. Um, so I need to – yeah, the, the uh, I was pretty – like you with the craft, I've been pretty happy with the pitch black. And then as I've gotten a little more interested in things and the things have started opening up, I actually have two packs of the County Fair edition from the state of Tennessee over here. Yeah. Uh, and Tim I has really some want- of those. I really want to open one, but I have so many open packs of notebooks right now and so many partial notebooks. Like I have a pitch black that has some show notes in it and I have um, – I don't know if you got a chance to use any of the Dot Grid Apprentice notebooks from Baron Fig. A little bit, yeah. I have the light bulb ones that came out on oh, – yeah. What is that? Black Monday? Yeah. Those are the ones that I'm writing that supposed review for on Friday. Um, I love these notebooks. Um, yeah. So I'm having a hard time falling away from those, and I got a couple of the moleskin extra small – I think we decided to call them Volants for Christmas. So I've got so many notebooks, I have such a hard time telling myself that I'm going to break into a sealed pack because yeah, I have them, and I want to carry them all, and I want to write – oh, I have a Cold Horizon um, – Oh, who's the guy that does pens and coffee? I'm gonna kick myself I'm, now for not remembering his name. Yeah, yeah. He's another one of the one of the guys that's that's been around. I the feel, nuts. I, yeah. One, well, one of the one of the field nuts and one of the guys that is part of the uh, the erasable group too. He and I did oh, a pencil yeah. trade for some for some Wopex. I trade him. He gave me a couple of Wopex and sent one of those in the pack a little while ago. I don't know why people knock on the Cold Horizon, man. I realize Field Notes is an entirely other series of episodes. Yeah, I, I like the Cold Horizon. Yeah, yeah, they're. They're all right. They're not my favorite, but I like how they look. I, I actually – I don't know if you remember um, when they came out. I I actually did a blog post. It was right about when kind of iOS 7 was announced, and uh-huh. it was sort of like I compared like a Cold Horizon next to some of the um, – you know, some of the flat designed kind of iOS 7 looking icons. And it's funny because it looks a lot like them. It looks very, very flatly designed. It's very flatly designed. It's got the gradient sort of um, coloring from the different shades, but of the same general color. I don't. It wears really well too. They were talking on Pat scene. Hannon. That's his name. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm. <laughs> hey, Pat. 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 I'm sorry. I just looked it up now. You were super nice to me. You were my second pencil trade ever behind Andy, and you were super kind. I remember I got your package on a on a very very bad day, and you you literally made my week. So Pat, <laughs> if by some mistaken uh, way you are listening to this podcast and you have gotten this far and haven't decided to turn me off because you're mad at me, I'm really sorry and thank you. You're a wonderful human being. <laughs> and we're not taking that out in post. We're leaving it. Damn Pat it. Hannon, you're my hero for today. Suck it, win, Hannon. Win, but well, win beneath <laughs> my wings and all that, Hannon. That's you. Um. Yeah. So I, I've oh, field notes. That's that's gonna be that that's yeah. that's gonna be an issue. I, I so I, I like to think of myself as a user, not a collector. But in in truth, the thing is, is my I write in field notes very slowly. Um, it takes me a while to fill one up, and so my um, I think I don't know if it was Brad and Mike who coined the term or they just used it. But are you familiar with Sable? Mm, it's an acronym. Yes. Supply. Supply above, above perceived or believed value. It's but lifetime expectancy. Yeah. Yeah. So we, but we basically, butchered that really bad. That was awful. <laughs> so anyhow, uh, Sable, basically it means like you have more than you will ever you know, realistically use. And definitely that is, that is where I'm at with Field Notes and other paper products. So I'll probably never use them all, but I still like to think that I will. So I still justify to myself to get them. 
Yeah, are you are you a subscriber? Or are you just I actually am not a subscriber, but I think I probably will be because both Johnny and Tim are. I tell you and what, Tim I was keep up super with the jacked about his subscription. He was. He was. Tim is somebody who uh yeah, just is very uh cognizant not cognizant, uh, like intentional in his purchases. Like he doesn't uh, just cognizant, go out and, cognizant can apply. He's he's very he's very yeah. uh, cognizant of what it takes to have good supplies and things yeah. like that. It's, so, so he's very careful about it, and I know that he wouldn't have made done that subscription unless he was like, you know, the pros outweighed the cons. So I'm probably going to do it pretty soon. It's a professional liability for us. Yeah. Um, maybe I maybe you can say, write it off on our taxes. <laughs> well, and I've got classroom funds remaining. Yeah. Pencils.com is getting some of my classroom funds. Oh, yeah, they are. Pencils.com. You can, you can sponsor us too. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they are, they are definitely getting some from me. I haven't decided what pencils my yeah. quote-unquote students are going to get um <laughs> i'm leaning towards the golden bears and i know that you're particular oh, I, I know you're a huge fan of the golden bears yeah i i would come to your house and steal part of your gross of the triangular golden bears that you sent me i'm a huge fan of them the ones i got in my sampler pack were not particularly high quality um really yeah uh, hmm. they some of the paint came off um oh. now i, I do want to say um that we have leaned a lot towards the analog tools in this our initial episode we are just as interested in the digital stuff and just to prove that to people we're going to hit one more topic before we roll out of here uh it's going to be strictly digital um i'm going to ask myself this question because i see what you have written down here in the show notes and i want to absolutely end with your first blog story uh <laughs> the first blog that i ever had i don't remember exactly how i came across it but i i had a zanga I think yeah, it's you did. Yeah, I, I think I had two. I how are you feeling? Fucking... What music were you listening to? Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, I I go back and I think like my first couple of posts were like my best friend and I stayed up playing retro Sega Genesis until two o'clock <laughs> in the morning. It was so crazy. I was like a sophomore in high school. I had two, so I, I had one. Um, this was of course back before blogging was really a, a, a the bigger thing than it is now. Before things like The Verge and Deadspin and Gawker millions of dollars multimedia companies, um, it was one of those. Where I had one where it was like the precursor to Facebook, where if I had something that I wanted to say that I wanted a particular person to see or I wanted everybody to see, I would write it there. But oh, yep. if I wanted to write something for myself that I wanted to keep a record of, um, and day one is so much better than that. I would God. love to talk about day one at some point. That's hands down the most beautiful app that I've ever used. Oh my God. It, yeah. it hurts me to type in it because yeah. my words are not, <laughs> my words aren't good enough. Um, but I would type whatever I wanted other people to see in the one. And then I would type whatever I wanted for myself in the other one. And eventually I would do the whole, I guess it was, the first I'm resetting my Facebook before there was a resetting of your Facebook like when you would just quit like I would just start a new Zenga like <laughs> I'm just abandoning this one I've moved over to this account and yeah. blah 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 you go back and post on the old one every once in a while so so Zenga was the first thing I did oh I guess Zenga and AIM away messages were the first <laughs> oh, yeah. times I ever did any sort of public and you're laughing because you're from this generation you know exactly what I'm talking about did you put like song lyrics in your away messages oh of course i did i can probably yeah. go back and find um probably t- some taking back sunday song lyrics that oh, were in uh that were yeah. in because that taking back sunday is nothing if not perfect for aim away messages <laughs> maybe some matchbox uh, 20 yeah probably well i don't know <laughs> if i went that far back old man but i probably yeah some somewhere right there in the definitely some yellow card lyrics back when yellow card had that had their uh, first big, uh, first big commercial success. So, yeah, right there towards the end of high school, beginning of college for me. Um, I see that you've written Live Journal on here, and oh, I can't yeah. think of a better 
culminating topic than a live journal blog because nothing says first blog like live journal. Oh, I'm man. upset I never had one. I I think you know there were two people. So I was on the in the student newspaper at my um, university, and two of my friends from there had uh, live journals, and I really didn't know what it was. Like I had maybe heard the term blog before, but I'd never really understood what that is. So I, I, I basically I went there and I was like, oh, I see. This is like, you know, people make web pages and like it's a journal. Okay, I get it. So I started a live journal and for a long time I just had no idea what to put there. Like like it just sat blank. It just sat blank. I just was like, I don't know what I have to say. Like <laughs> what, what do people want to talk about? So eventually we just sort of used it as a um, – you know, this is before Facebook. This is before Twitter. Um, there was MySpace, but I never really used MySpace. Yeah, MySpace. <laughs> yeah, so we uh, – actually, I did use MySpace. My cat had a MySpace. I actually We, we have, made one for my cat. I have a Facebook message from my wife before she was even my girlfriend that says, um, oh, look, you found me on Facebook. Let's go back to MySpace. Everyone <laughs> else is that, – that's where I do all of my communication and everything yep. else. And it's great because that was the epitome of of like micro blog flash in the. Paper. Oh yeah, I, I'm did, sorry to draw away from. Did, your did you story. did you have the little pieces of CSS that you pasted into the about me section that would change like the the style of your of your MySpace? Oh, more more than likely, I did. I yeah. definitely know that that was. I sat one night. Um, I lived back at home my sophomore year of college, and I remember sitting up one night, super late, probably smoking cigarettes in my childhood bedroom, like I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> and I wrote a. Yeah, I know, right. Um, <laughs> And I wrote a list of 100 different facts about me. Oh, I remember that. And I know that was on my Facebook for – or that was on my MySpace for a long time. Yeah. Um, To the point that I actually had friends that thought I wouldn't notice when they ripped it off and changed like four of them. (laughs) Like this is remarkably unique to me. How did you steal (laughs) – like not even just the idea. You stole – like there's 100 things here. (laughs) <laughs> so, uh, so no, yeah. So I, I probably had that, but oh, MySpace. It's not Live Journal in that it was super popular, and then what yeah. happened to it? But it's darn close. So, so I, so I had a Live Journal, and I, um, I'm, my friends have Live Journals, and that was sort of like our, almost like our feeds, our news feeds before we actually ever had things like that. Like you would go and you would, you would go through and you would check each other's Live Journals and see what everybody's been up to, and you know, you would. Oh, see, oh, Katie took a took a trip and she put some pictures on our live journal. And, and it was, I mean, it was a little community. It was not, we didn't use a lot of the community features that it had. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely, it was very quickly replaced by uh, Blogspot or Blogger or whatever it's called once Google kind of came out with that. So um, I, nev- I ported everything over pretty quickly, but that was, that was my first blog. Yeah, and no, I, I, I was a Zanga guy. And then- so, so this is... This is maybe not off. This is maybe off the topic of the first blogs, but this is. But blogging is a big interest of mine. Obviously, um, what is your current favorite blogging platform? And it can even be something that you don't use. Um, oh, I, I hate to go with pla- platform. Is so open. What, what do you mean by platform? Um, what what blog software or okay or All service right. software or um, service? Nerd Uprising was up until. Sunday, actually, so up until about three days ago, um, still hosted on Tumblr. And I have always had a soft spot for Tumblr simply because of the ease and streamlinedness, which is not a word, but I'm an English teacher, so I made it one. It's a word. Um, it is now. Just call, um, the, call the OED. Yeah. 
the the ease of Tumblr like the there was no there it seemed like there was no barrier to entry. You could take a picture, write a couple of words, boom, it's right there. Send it on the page, it takes up the the whole spot. I really like Tumblr. WordPress yeah. always felt a little intimidating for me. I always wanted to try to do something like like Blogger, um, but it just didn't seem like Tumblr just seemed appropriate for what it was. And I was really I I was really happy with the way that Tumblr was hosting this website and the blog and the failed attempts or partial attempts at a podcast that we had before that. Um, Currently using Squarespace to host the site. You and I have been back and forth on our Squarespace love fest because you moved Erasable over there. I moved Nerd Uprising there. I'm really happy with it, particularly the podcast features. Yeah, Um, just takes care of all that for you. It does, but as far as ease and simplicity goes, if I didn't need to do anything with with podcasts and all I wanted to do was still post um, pictures and words or some combination of the two, I... Tumblr's just so easy. I love Tumblr. It's when it came along, like the kind of structured post that you can do, you know, like just a sound clip or just a picture or whatever, like that, that was mind blowing to me. Like the fact that I could post a picture and I didn't even have to have a headline. Like it was like, right. oh yeah, you could post this. You don't even need a headline. I'm like, what? Cause I was just came from the, you know, live journal, WordPress, uh, blogger world where you have a headline and you have body copy and that's what you have. And Tumblr, that's so yeah. I I do love Tumblr. I I do not officially have an opinion on my favorite social network um, right na- now, but back probably if you asked me last summer, um, it would have been Tumblr. I have I've always had a problem, not a problem. I've always had trouble kind of getting more involved with the community features. I have a hard time finding things that I would be it's interested. It's because in. there's a lot of like teenage girls and a lot of porn. Tumblr. Yeah, <laughs> and but but the fact especially that, if if I mix the two of those, I lose my job. I um I definitely subscribe to a lot of Star Trek tumblers oh, and on Doctor so Who glad tumblers. You brought that up. Yeah, we I think that probably Star Trek is a topic of a different one of your podcasts that I can talk on and on and on about. We we actually referred to that already. Um, uh, Rob and I were kind of given a brief overview of what all the podcasts on the network are going to be. When we talked the about Star the Uprising. Trek and talked about how we had some of the uh, some of the potential guests for Uprising already lined up, and Star Trek episode was the first one that we mentioned. Yes, we talked about Star Trek episode, and uh, we're probably going to try to do a zombie episode at some point because I I like to think that I have a pretty advanced knowledge at least of the current zombie. I don't even like to call it lore. I I think I referred to it as owning the top two copies of zombie nonfiction recently released. I think you can call it the zombie ecosystem. It it is yeah. an ecosystem of it's sorts. Like the zombie sphere. It, does, the zombie that sphere. Might, that might be our <laughs> intro now. The zombie sphere might be our <laughs> intro. Um, yeah. So we yeah we we've talked about Star Trek and you and I have talked very briefly about the article that I found about watching it in in forty hours. If I am able to pause time here in the next little while, I might have to soak myself up some some Star Trek here. I Maybe pod- I could just ask you to give me the first top four or five episodes and just cover Ooh, that'd it. That would be fun. You know, if ever, if, if, you know, what we should do is start another podcast, but if we did that, oh, well, yeah, yeah, we, we, should, we should do a podcast only about bad 1990s science fiction shows like Earth 2 and um, Sequest and Quantum Leap and Sliders. Do you remember any of these? Yeah, no, I Quantum Leap and Sliders. Let's just do one about 90s television altogether. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have like a, a TGIF month and we'll just cover like Step by Step and Full House. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Family Matters. You know, I, I was, um, you know, the opening credits of Full House was filmed in Alamo Square Park. Um, and there's like this, these 
um, row house is kind of in the in the background, and I was just there a couple weeks weeks ago. I took a you picture have of it. been on the quote unquote set of Full House. I have on the opening intro set of Full House. <laughs> well, and I don't know how at all this is related. It popped up to me earlier. We were talking about Tumblr. Do you know Slack still has? Oh, that's what it was. We're talking about TGIF. I thought of the Urkel emoji that you added to our Slack channel. Uh-huh. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, and it occurred to me when I was looking at a Slack blog post earlier today, and that's where they still host their blog is Tumblr. Huh, that's awesome. It's it's Slack. They're one of – and I am i don't think they would be upset if I called them forward-thinking. Yeah. I think they're probably one of the most forward-thinking platforms in tech right now. You're super happy to be back on Slack. I know you are. There's Oh, yeah. We use that for my agency, and, and for obvious reasons, I'm not using Slack for work now. But it was it's nice just to have some some kind of running conversation going on Slack. You guys doing groups? Is that how this is working? Yeah, a lot of groups. A lot of groups. I uh, like it. You're yeah. the one who got me on the groups app to begin with. I need to probably go back and, and check that out a little bit more. But yeah, um, yeah, Facebook's good. Thanks for paying Andy's bills, Facebook. <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, so uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I I I do love Tumblr. So yeah, Tumblr Tumblr's a good thing. I'm yeah. I'm not going to fight Tumblr on it. You're right. There is a lot of. There's a lot of weird, weird stuff on Tumblr, and there's a lot. <laughs> but of... But that's what's great about Tumblr because there's a community yeah. for so many people, like on on Tumblr. Like, well, so many like little like you know joke URLs like pizza stamos. Uh, what is it? Do you remember this? People pick. I have no idea what you're. T- that's okay, that is frightening. Maybe you should go run past stamos. the kegerator again. Um, well, and that's not maybe necessarily what it is, but there's a lot of like really, really special, specialized tumblers where people just like, there's one that's the, uh, the same picture of Dave Coulier every day. And that's the name of the tumbler. And all it does is it's the same picture of Dave Coulier that they post every day. Dave and Coulier was in, uh, was the supporting actor in the worst movie I've ever seen. Which was? Uh, Bloodwork, <laughs> which is a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh-huh. Where I believe uh, Dave Coulier is a friend with Clint East- is friends with Clint Eastwood's main character. He also lives on a houseboat. Uh-huh. And spoiler alert: I just save you three hours of your life. He turns out to be the killer. Are you going to sound the spoiler horn for that? I don't, I don't know that I have. Listen, I should sa- I should sound the save you horn. <laughs> I left that movie uh, and I got to see it. Uh, this is when I had a girlfriend who worked in a movie theater, and I got to see it for free because we watched the the pre release role. And I said to myself. Um, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I really wish that I could get those two hours of my life back. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you for sending me, sending me that link to Dave Coulier. He will de- that Tumblr will definitely be in the show notes. Um, speaking of the show notes, once again, you can find those at nerduprising.co slash dot grid slash one. Um, if people were interested in more than the show notes, Andy Welfley, and they wanted to, I don't know, for instance, talk to their new favorite Facebook employee slash pencil fan, how would people best be able to get in touch with you? Uh, well, if you wanted to talk to me as a Facebook employee, I'd probably have to refer you to HR or PR, 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 not HR. Yeah. Which, um, but if you wanted to talk to me as a pencil guy or as co-host of this podcast, um, I am on Twitter at, at a Welfley. That's a W E L F as in Frank L E. Um, I'm on Instagram is the same. Uh, or you can email me at Andy at – what's my Nerd Uprising email address? You're Andy W. Yes, because there's, fu- there's future Andy as well. Yeah. There's, so uh, <laughs> there's It's Andy W at nerduprising.co. Yes. Um, and then um, if you wanted to check out my pencil blog, that is woodclinched.com. And am I allowed to plug my other podcast? 
you can pl- I, you can plug Erasable a hundred times out of a hundred. They're the reason that you okay. and I are together. <laughs> and then uh, you can listen to if you liked the pencil portion of this podcast, you can listen to more at Erasable.us. Uh, I am a huge fan of the Erasable podcast. I'm not just saying that because Andy can hear me. Uh, It is, if you are at all interested in pencils or writing utensils or just three guys who are really good friends that like to sit around and talk about things that are interesting, you guys never fail to captivate me with the conversations (laughs) that you have. And the fact that you do, and you've told me that it's, you don't do a whole lot of editing. And that's great because it, it continues to flow. You, you guys have a really good, uh, and it's such a weird word to say, you guys have a really good chemistry together. So it's, if, if for no other reason than you like the two or three dudes talking about a thing they like genre, then, uh, then erasable is a podcast that you should, you should look into. I'm a, I'm a fan. Cool. And where can people so, find you, Will, and your, and your uh, numerous other podcasts? I tell you what, that was that was a beautiful segue. I like how <laughs> we're uh, falling into the routine and, and the route here. Um, I seem to be on all of the podcasts here on the Nerd Uprising Network. The best way to find out what those other podcasts are and find out other information about them is to go to the website, which is at nerduprising.co, not .com. The M was about $25,000 worth of a letter. Uh, I tell you what, I was listening to um, a, a Reply All episode about brokering in domains the other day. It was super what? interesting. Such a scam. Such a scam. It so is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you can find out more about me, um, my amazing hyphen collection, and all of our other uh, podcasts at nerduprising.co. I currently run the Nerd Uprising Twitter account, which is nerd underscore uprising on Twitter. It is coincidentally also nerd underscore uprising on Instagram if you're interested in seeing me take pictures of coffee or notebooks or other things that seem to be sitting around. Um, and if you want to email me, you can either send me an email at will at nerduprising.co or you can get in touch with anybody here on the network through our contact form on the webpage or at feedback at nerduprising.co. Pretty much anything at nerduprising.co that doesn't have the word Andy in it will come directly to my mailbox. (laughs) So, um, dude, I can't say thank you enough for sitting down and having this conversation with me. I really look forward to doing this again here in the next little while. We're going to try to do one of these about every other week. uh, And there are just so many different layers of this whole analog digital combination that we can get into. Oh, yeah. It'll be fun to break down. Yeah, I look forward to getting into that with you. Hopefully, we'll be able to have some guests that like to dabble in both worlds on as well. I mean, you're you're Andy Welfley. You know people. Oh, yeah. So that's Barack Obama, you're on this podcast. Oh, goodness. You owe if me. We could, if we could get the president. I don't want to know why he owes you. I assume there's some sort of Indiana-Illinois connection there that yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about. Uh, we're not allowed to talk about Facebook. not allowed to talk about the president. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, dude, thank you so much for sitting down Absolutely. and, uh, and chatting. I look forward to doing this here in the next little while. Oh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. All right. Um, well, n- nerds, I, 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 feel, I feel like we can call our listeners nerds. We're just going to call them nerds. If you don't like the nerds, um, you can email me at any of the 30 Go play basketball or something if you're if yeah, you like us nerds. You yeah, shock. <laughs> so uh, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us. Um, please, 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 if you get a chance to go to iTunes and rate this podcast, we would really appreciate it. It helps us out. If you um, use Overcast, be sure to recommend this episode. We will talk about how awesome Overcast is at some point, too. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Overcast, positives. So, yeah, recommend this episode on Overcast. Rate us on iTunes. Come back and listen to us again in a couple of weeks. Uh, Andy, anything else? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, guys, have a wonderful couple of weeks, and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out. N- nice. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, just that's a that's. Okay, that's perfect. Should I just st stop recording? Okay, stop.